Gigapod is a podcast where we interview companies building exciting and economically sustainable business models in the gig, circular, and sharing economies. Make sure to subscribe and to find out more, go to gigapay.co forward slash gigapod. In this episode, I'm joined by Marianne Olsen, who is a gig expert and strategic advisor based here in Sweden. She's been an entrepreneur since 2001, and one interesting thing about her is that she started her own company in the middle of a really bad recession while also studying and financing her own MBA at the same time, which many could say was a mission impossible. She's also been running a publishing company since 2018. Marianne has also published 10 books since 2005, many of them about the gig economy. We were really excited about having her join us for this episode, so we hope that you enjoy it as well. Thank you. Welcome, Marianne, to the Giga Podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Great to have you here. So we can just get get straight into our questions. So the COVID-19 pandemic is forcing many workplaces to adjust their way of work. So how do you see this affecting workers in general? Well, I think everybody is affected in one way or another, short term and long term. We will we will be able to, I think, talk a lot about how we should have done, what we should have done or should have mm. been doing. But in a way, it's also business as usual because many workers in the gig economy, they're used to working with digital tools, their work, some are nomads, and so on. So I think that if we look at this in a positive way, it could actually be an opportunity for many. Mm -hmm. Okay, so do you see this, if we just sort of look at the long term and short term perspectives of it, how do you see that sort of affecting the current situation? Well, in the long term, I really hope that companies and organizations and people will really learn from this. Mm -hmm. And I'm not thinking from a health perspective, more like in ways of working and really look at what were the best practices when this happened and how can we integrate that in the business as usual when we are post this panicky situation. And I think that the key word here is trust. If you trust your employees, co-workers, managers, consultants, and so on, if you just trust them with a task, they will perform better as well. So if you can keep that in mind, I think it's not like there's a lack of digital tools in Mm. the cloud, right? Mm. So I think it's about how people interact. So I think trust is a very important topic, and it's something that one does not always equate with the gig economy since Mm -hmm. there's such a disparity between the sort of supply and demand side and from a marketplace perspective can you just elaborate a little bit more on that what you mean in terms of like trust so i mean we talk about trust and it's important to trust the managers and the yes all right so i think in terms of trust i think you need to trust both the people you are already working with and Mm -hmm. maybe give them more trust instead of letting them earn trust, which is like the old way of thinking, Mm -hmm. is you have to earn trust first. And now maybe you need to give trust in advance. And also when you work with the new people during or after this crisis and not be afraid of how new relationships 
at work can add a lot of value. Mm. And I think that, especially for gig workers, regardless of where you are at in the value chain, what kind of service you're mm. offering, mm. I think that is key. And I must say that it, it is my own preference in the way I've always been working is to give trust first and then retract it if I have to, mm. because it's smarter, it's easier, it's more fun, it's more open, it's more transparent. So maybe we can start to build a more positive and open business culture. Mm. Mm. I can see that. So it's really a mutual a two-way street when yes. it comes to for comes sure. To trust. For sure. So if we just look at the actual opportunities side, when we look at the gig economy, what are the sort of key areas that you see? Well, first of all, to adapt and to learn from this also while we are in the situation and not just wait mm. to look at what we are learning during this time. But also, I think when we are in these like worrisome times, I think also that this is a time to invest, invest in your workforce, invest in the company in terms of trying maybe to surpass your major competitor, because a lot of companies are a bit passive now. They're sort of waiting for each other. Who's going to make a move? Just look at all the countries, how they're comparing, mm. how they're acting right now. So if you look at it from a business development point of view, maybe you have three-year plan that maybe you should change into a one-year plan and maybe you will surpass your major competitor mm. or maybe join forces with a competitor and do something good for society. I mean, there's so many things that can be done right now. And also, I think we're going to see new companies that are going to be formed. Like, for example, now we're, I guess, in most countries, there's not enough space or beds in hospitals, and then we have empty hotels. So there is a match here, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe some philanthropist together with some entrepreneur and together with government, maybe they can find a way to maybe place old people and other risk groups in like safe places mm. where they don't need as much health care mm. so that the people who really need the health care can stay in hospital and so on. So I think we're also going to see new business opportunities and maybe services that we didn't know we would want to buy that we will do now. Mm. And if we look at aside from the whole health issue, I would say that there are some people in the gig economy who are now explaining that they're trying to shift their business. Like many people who are keynote speakers, for example, they try to, since they have had many cancellations, they're trying to do it remote instead. So mm -hmm. they try to live stream and then they don't even need to be in the same space. Mm. And you can live stream. I mean, everybody has Zoom or Hangouts. or I mean, there's so many tools that you can access for free today. Mm. So... I think that instead of canceling, we just need to change the format. Sure. Yeah. So people just need to get used to the idea of not meeting physically. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a sort of still a challenge for, for many people uh, yeah. right now, even if you work in or operate in a digital first company or yeah. you're still okay. How do you overcome that though? Yeah. And there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of good tools on how exactly. you can facilitate and that. Exactly. In terms of trust, I think we need to, all of us, we need to be bold when it mm. comes to decision making mm. and try to really support different businesses from in different ways. Mm -hmm. Like every company, I'm sure, they can think of a way to better serve their customers mm. so that they get to keep them. Yeah. Because we're everybody's in the same ecosystem. If we stop, 
it will interrupt somebody in that ecosystem. Mm, that's true. So talking a little bit more about traditional organizations and their structures, how do you really, I mean, of course you have the, you have sort of the white collar businesses, but then you also have those and sort of operating warehouses. And how do you see this pandemic sort of shaping their organizations? Well, I think that many of these organizations that work more like in the service industry and deliveries, warehouse, all of these, and I think that they are already thinking or adapting to how the gig economy works and have a lot of hourly staff and so on. So I'm thinking that if you have people who are working like in hotel restaurant business, maybe they can shift and help with the deliveries Mm. for all these companies who are now delivering groceries to everybody's home. Now that people maybe don't go to the store as often and, and not just for, you know, the stocking, but for like everyday sure. needs. So mm. I think there is an opportunity here to shift between industries. Mm. So I don't think we need to panic and think that like all the hotels, maybe they can use the hotel in a new way and all the stuff that they used to have there, maybe they can work somewhere else. Mm. So. And also, for example, like during the last couple of days now, we've seen a lot of redundancies and layoffs in some of these industries. And I am sure that with like short training, you can put them to work somewhere else if they are willing. Sure. So I think there's a, it's all about mindset Mm -hmm. and also from government wise Mm -hmm. decision making. Mm -hmm. We're all needed somewhere. Can you maybe say, elaborate a little bit more on the government and how you perceive now the changes or the policy changes that mm-hmm. they're, they're making? All right. So, yeah. for example, big industries like tourism, mm. there are many industries within tourism that are affected now. So, so if they get to take part of some kind of package, maybe it could be said that in return, they have to be available as workforce mm. to do any job mm. they are physically capable of yeah. doing. So, because if you just pay people to stay at home when mm. they could do lots of good in society, I think that would be a waste. Mm. So, I mean, there, there are many jobs that many of us could do. Yeah, exactly. And how do you, just sort of on the same thread, how do you see this pandemic affecting unions or do you see it being as a catalyst for some changes that need to be For the allayed? unions? Yeah. I think they are like a secondary player here. Mm. I think they play along. Okay. I think in the short term, the first thing they could do is is not to charge their fees. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's quite expensive to be part of a union. I mean, mm. what can they do? Mm. I don't want to be mean here, but I don't see them as the most relevant mm. uh, stakeholder here. No, no, no. Perhaps um, not. But they're, they're often yeah. an important stakeholder when we do talk about the future of work. And I yes, see. Yes, I, I, I think they are. Mm. In a way, they are. In another way, they're not. Mm. Because if you look at how the gig economy is working within fintech, there are a lot of companies in this space that ensure that employees get paid enough without Mm. having to go with the union-regulated employment Mm. rules. So, sorry to disappoint you, but... Oh, I'm not disappointed. Ah! 
um, I'm, I'm actually per- personally I'm a huge fan of unions and I think there is a place for them yeah. in the future it's just I'm just more curious as an no, expert all right all right see. no I mean all, all yeah. right so yeah. so maybe I should elaborate a bit mm. what I mean so basically I think that Sweden is such a mature industrialized country we rate high on democracy and all of that so I think that they've done so much we really don't need them as much anymore okay. so I, I see them more like a nice to have not a need to have mm-hmm. and I think we're going to get into this during our conversation mm-hmm. later but we're really well off here mm-hmm. in terms of legality yeah. so so I think that the work they did many years ago I mm-hmm. think sort of put us in this really good situation we're in right now mm. but I don't see them as the strong power they used to be mm. because people are good guys anyway mm. people in companies they do the right thing mm. so you don't need them anymore mm. to that same extent yeah. does that make sense it, it does yeah it, it does to a large it, degree it's, yeah, I think, it's like if you do a really mm. good job it becomes redundant yeah exactly Mm. Mm. So you've previously been quoted as saying that all workers are gig workers. Mm. So can you share more by what you yes. mean? Yes, and this really ties into your previous question mm. because the job security that you know permanent employees have, it's not being applied to the full extent according to the existing legislation, which is connected to mm. what we we're just talking about with the unions and everything. And it's only applied to a small extent. And that means in practice that these employees, they walk around thinking they have all this security mm-hmm. and they are safe. And the banks that are lending them money for mortgages, etc., go around thinking that this is safe money, this is a safe debt. Mm-hmm. But in fact, maybe it could be a less secure one mm-hmm. compared to if you have for example, somebody consulting in the gig economy that have like an expertise in Java coding or something like that, mm-hmm. which is really sought after or or a chef, mm-hmm. which is also in high demand. We don't have enough chefs in the Nordics overall. So if you look at that instead in terms of their employability, mm-hmm. then a short term contract with somebody who has a very high demanded skill mm. or job function could mm. actually be a safer bet. Mm. So, so it's kind of confusing, mm. right? Because mm. a lot of these employees, they think they have security, but mm. in fact, they can be laid off at any time at a few months notice. Mm. And coming back to the unions, they are very lenient with these because they want to save the jobs that are still going to be there. Sure. I think it's definitely a valid point, Marianne. One thing that I reflect upon and now I'm putting my fintech mm-hmm. hat on mm-hmm. is that while it's absolutely true that specialised workers have can demand a higher rate and have higher demand mm-hmm. on their, their services, there's still a lack of uh, possibilities on how you can assess the creditworthiness of yep. that individual yep. too. So even if they you know, they command 80000 mm-hmm. or 100 a month, yeah there's still a lot of discrepancy. How do you see that changing, if at all? Oh, I think it will change. And we're, it's really interesting times right now. Mm. And I think that in terms of living in a digital world, it will. I think we're going to see new service offerings within the gig economy mm. that will meet those needs. Mm. And I think it's just a matter of time. Mm. And uh, that will be 
in support of equality for these groups. Mm. And I think it's truly, truly important. So let's take a bit of a change of pace here. So Mm -hmm. you're seen as an expert within the the gig economy. You've written uh, various publications and you're also on the steering committee for the Sharing Economy Global Summit. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey on how you came to specialize in this area and what drove you to focus on this? Sure. Well, it all started, I think, when I reinvented myself or had to back in 2001. Mm -hmm. I found myself in a situation where I was redundant and Mm -hmm. didn't have a job and I was working in the US at the time and I I flew home not knowing what was going to happen next and it was really tough times. There were like no jobs even to, to apply for. The few that were out were like the jobs you wanted to have. So I remember sending some applications to jobs I didn't want. And then they said I was overqualified anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and at, during that time I was, you know, trying to get my old network warm again. Mm-hmm. And I met a couple of people who had, you know, small consultancies and they were like thinking I had really interesting profile, but they were offering, you know, really um, bad deals. Like mm-hmm. they would, they would take no risk and they would like take a big, big stake of whatever I would make. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend who was in the same situation at that same time. And we discussed this to some length and we decided that we were going to go solo. And a lot of people thought we were totally crazy, mm-hmm. but both of us found our own niche in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I offered my services to companies that themselves offered services because if you're used to that you understand that you should purchase them yourself right Mm -hmm. so I found this niche where I became like this gun for hire for management teams so I did marketing business development project management Mm -hmm. and so on because all of these they were not allowed to increase their Mm headcount so they actually had positions that were open but they were not allowed to fill it. Mm. But in the balance sheet, it was okay mm-hmm. to have consultants. So, I mean, I charged regular rates and I offered retainers. And so I had people who like pre-ordered hours for me. And if they wanted more, I would charge like an extra 50%, you know, mm-hmm. if I was available. So mm. I was so busy. It was mm. crazy. Mm. So that was how I started out. And at the same time, I also did my MBA at Henley Management College. And my master's thesis was actually about key success factors for consultants. So mm-hmm. that was, I guess, part of myself reflecting on how to manage risk mm-hmm. and if it's worth it or mm-hmm. not and mm-hmm. so on. Interesting. Yep. So how do you see the future of work changing in the in the next 10 years? Well, I think we all need to reinvent ourselves, maybe on like an annual basis. I know that I have. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been doing this for such a long time. Mm-hmm. So I need to offer new services. I need to find new clients. I need to, you know, meet new industries and so on. So... I think that everybody needs to have that kind of perspective Mm. and also asking ourselves, are we creating value? Are we doing the right thing? And also to discuss this with others. So, for example, if you are a gig worker, Mm. maybe you should try to discuss this with other gig workers Mm. since maybe you don't have colleagues in that same sense. Do you know of any good platforms where these gig workers can 
communicate with each other. Well, I guess everybody does in a way, like on mm. LinkedIn and Facebook, I think. I mean, there there's several groups there. And I, I'm not sure if you actually need a specific group because mm. I think like like on LinkedIn, we're commenting on each other's articles sure. already. And then there will be conversations. But maybe we will be we will see more conversations in the open mm. discussing these insecurities mm, i guess mm. when it's an interesting point that you talk about community a few weeks ago I was at, at jobs renaissance oh you were there as well yeah <laughs> okay i didn't see you <laughs> and there one of the the ma- major pain points that gig workers find is that they feel lonely that's a big one of the biggest challenges yes i've heard this many times throughout mm. the years and i think that it it depends on what your preferences as a person are you an introvert extrovert and mm. so on there's so many great like office based solutions now where you can like rent a desk and and then you will always meet somebody at the coffee machine whatever mm. and i think everybody just needs to i guess take responsibility for that social interaction themselves mm. Mm. I feel like I have so many meetings and so much going on that I prefer having like my own office. Sure. Mm. <laughs> I do since yeah. many years because then that's the the time I need to just focus on mm. my deliveries and mm. writing plans and so on. Yeah. So it all depends, but it can be lonely if you don't structure it and if you're new as a gig worker, mm. for example, and maybe you're a consultant, I think that you might might need to schedule and if we're talking about the situation we are in right now with the corona virus i think that in workplaces as well as between gig workers mm-hmm. i mean you can skype and have coffee sure. we, ta- we talked about that last week that we should have like a a zoom or hangout hangout you mm-hmm. know and have like coffee together or an after work mm-hmm. or something like that yeah i think maybe we're going to see more of that yeah exactly i think so too and one of the swedish companies that i like right now within the space is called teamly mm-hmm. have you heard of them so they they have so app jobs is one of their customers and okay. they have a way of if you're in remote works and you're oh uh, i know i know spaces. which ones you mean yeah. Yeah. yeah and i think that's fantastic because you don't always need to be in a meeting in order exactly. to be interfacing with yeah. each other so. exactly yeah i like that yeah me I too like that. Uh, so marianne are there any is there anything else that you want to add well you were asking me about the next 10 years yeah. i'm not sure if i really responded to that okay yeah i think that in some ways work will not change as fast as we think mm-hmm. and in other ways it will so i think that of course technology will be our best friend in many ways and hopefully i guess the gig economy will grow in a positive way so that the difference between being employed and being a gig worker mm. will be smaller because i think that would be more fair mm. right mm so that we can access the same things in society yeah. like we were talking about before yeah, like exactly. to get a mortgage or mm-hmm. what have you mm-hmm. so i think many things will still be the same 10 years i mean flies by fast right sure so um <laughs> mm. 
That's great. I think there's like a lot of changes that need to be made, though, from both societal, governmental and private institution side to facilitate that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And also, I think that in certain parts of the gig economy where AI can Mm. be a good support, Mm. like for me as an author of books, I would love to have my books read in different languages. Mm. So, for example, if I submit a book to Amazon... And what if it could be within, I don't know, a few days, it could be read in Chinese. Or yes. That I thought, I hope will happen in yeah. like 10 years yeah. within. Mm. Or you can like synthesize your own voice. So, so maybe like, for example, for the pod we're doing today, mm. we would have emailed each other in advance and it would have just recorded us. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit of a scary thought. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. But a f- fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Marianne. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you want to add before we wrap up? Well, I think my last reflection would be that if we work smarter, maybe we can work less hours. Mm. But it doesn't mean that we can like downshift totally. But in terms of digital tools, more and more people might leave the urban areas. And like here in Sweden, you can take off into the archipelago you can still have fiber right sure so that works and maybe you can charge less if you have a lower cost of living and Mm. and so on like many like digital nomads do Mm. so maybe that will be applied more in general as being something unique Mm. so maybe that would be a reflection looking at how society will change Mm. interesting i think that's a great way how to wrap it up all right thank Thank you you so much thank you thank you for having me yeah Make sure to subscribe and to find out more, go to gigapay.co forward slash gigapod.